Uh, here's a way the class, just kind of legit, a couple of logistical things before we get started today's lesson. Um, Rick Watling and Rick Moore and myself are going to kind of, we developed our own material. And uh, look in the front, I'll call it the syllabus if you like, technically it's not, but um, we're going to, uh, I'm going to be doing three weeks. That includes Wednesday night. Um, if you can't be here Wednesday night, then you're still responsible to, to keep up. We're going to today and, and Wednesday we're going to talk about why we study the Bible. Uh, then a week from today, Lord willing, unique nature of the Bible. And then two weeks uh, from today, history of Bible translation. Very interesting. Um, I'm really looking forward, I'm looking forward to all of it, but uh, that, that one is going to be really interesting. How we got translations, how, what are translations, when, when do we get the Bible, uh, all of the, of the people over the, technically the millennia, and how, we, how you could rely on our Bible of being accurate. Um, now I've got all of that in there, I've got the first three uh, lessons in there, you feel free to jump ahead if you like. Uh, it, uh, study just creates more desire to study, and that, that's okay. Uh, then after that, Rick will talk about the inspiration of the Bible. Rick Watling, then when Rick Moore is back here, I'll be out there. <laughs> uh, Rick Watling on Lesson 3, Rick Moore back here for effective Bible study, then Rick Watling. I'll be back for the Bible um, Simple and pure, the purity and simplicity of the Bible. Love that one. Uh, then Rick handling and interpreting the Bible accurately. And then a very practical one, at least I think it is, uh, tools for Bible study. I've got a lot of information on what does it take to become a good Bible student and what tools are needed. You know, we, we have no trouble at, at, you know, uh, at, at school or whatever we do of having tools. To build a house and and the old proverbial tool belt. I pulled when I was teaching high school. I've got my tool belt. Okay, today we're going to pull this tool out, and we're, so we're going. To, how do you do that biblically? How to build a library? So that that'll that'll be fun. And then I've actually been working pretty good on one called the Providence of God. And the last couple of class periods, it looks like we'll have time, Lord willing, we're going to talk about the providence of God. I, I love that. So we're, we're going to touch on that at the very end, and then lesson nine, we'll all three get back together and we'll review what we've, what we've gone over this quarter. So that, that's our plan for now. Now the providence of God is not on there. I, I just decided that the last couple of days. I've been studying it and Luckily, we can, we, can, we can push that in there and, uh, and talk about the providential nature of God and how He works. And nobody knows how He works, but we... Because we'll, you know that? We'll talk about it. <laughs> Not really. We'll, we'll go with that anyway. Alright, so that'll be, that's kind of the overall synopsis of our plan. And I don't think it would surprise anybody to... You know, there's, it depends on what number you look at. I've heard as many as 3,000 different denominations. 
Uh, the last number I had was 2,600, but you know, they just keep growing and growing. Why do you think there's so much confusion in the Bible world? And we're going to make application of that to why we need to know the Bible and study the Bible. And I'll, I'll open up to the, this is very interactive, by the way. We're being recorded, but that's all good. Uh, good for you because I can see you. I can be looking at this ugly face. Um, why do you think there's so much confusion in the religious world? Man. What does that mean, man? Our own ego and what we want it to be. Okay, uh, what we want it to be, well, okay, ego could be involved. Uh, people don't know how to properly study or divide the Bible. Okay, how to rightly divide yeah. the Bible. That's a good point. Don? There's too much, I think, and not enough God said. Okay. Uh, that's a good one. Too much I think. Not enough what did God say, Lisa? Mine doesn't. It's pride. I think we think we have the better way or a better answer than looking to okay. God. Okay. Okay. Jim? I, I just think that a lot of people, especially in the different ways of printing the Bible, are trying to bend God to the way they are rather than bending the way God wants oh. us to be. In other words, we, we don't handle the Word of God uh, truthfully sometimes. Good one. I think God naturally made people to be sheep, and so people don't study their Bibles, so they just naturally follow different people without studying, maybe not with the intent to be wrong, but they don't want to put the time in to be right. And okay. so they're natural followers sometimes, and they just follow what sounds good. Okay, uh, that, that's good. Uh, uh, yes, ma'am, and then John. The I one feel. One. I feel. Everybody, I, thought, I feel. You know, in my heart, I feel this and I feel that. Okay. There's a lot of people that it's all on emotion. Okay. Now, is there anything wrong with emotion in religion? No. No. I mean, you know, you can carry it to extremes. I get that. But we're we we. But I I know what your point is too, John. And then we'll we got I got one I want to bring up. There's a devil out there that's a prince of confusion. He's a liar and the father of all lies, isn't he? He loves confusion. The devil loves confusion. Satan's behind this stuff. Now let me ask you, and we're going to, uh, when we get down to Matthew 10, which is maybe the second, I guess, full paragraph, I'm going to spend more time there, but while we're talking about these reasons, do you think family can be a reason for confusion? In what way, June? Because my mother believed it, my grandmother believed it, my great-grandmother believed it, and you just... How many times have we heard that? My great-grandmother, she was a good woman. That's true. And my grandmother believed that, so if I believe what you're saying, of course, not you, but what the Bible is saying, then that would jeopardize her soul. Really. You have that kind of power. That, that, that's amazing. Um, we have no control over that. That, that. They're in God's hands. Right? It's not our hands. Um, uh, yes, ma'am. I remember I was watching something one time, and they were. he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm Catholic, and I can't change that. 
And it's like, no, that's not, it's not an ethnicity, it's not race-based, it's, it's faith. <laughs> and it, it's that, that always struck me very, how like, especially that was like, mm -hmm. they view it like, um, like it's Cultural. like, they, not like, it, like it's genetic. Like it's a legacy. Yeah. Like, no, or even like yeah. not just legacy, but like they can't, like it's like you're in your genes. Right. Okay. Uh, all, I think all these things are absolutely true. John, did you mention your... Oh, you did about Satan. Okay, that, that, that is so true. Um, <laughs> we want to get... I want to get down to this, what I call the first step here, but to get there... Uh, somebody turn to Hebrews 5 and verse 12. Who has a strong voice. Hebrews 5 and verse 12. Won't somebody read that for a second? Someone turn to 1 Peter 2 and verse 2. 1 Peter 2 and verse 2. When, when someone gets to Hebrews 5 and verse 12, read that very loudly, Sarah. For though by time, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. Well, what does that say to us as as Christians or even as uh, technically, I guess, non-Christians? What, what does that say? You have to grow. You grow or you go. That's the only two choices. I mean, going backwards. I don't mean you. You're going backwards. You're going forward or you're going backwards. You cannot be static in the Lord's Word. You can't. Hebrews 5 says that. What about uh, 1 Peter 2 and verse 2? Michelle? Like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the Word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. And there's our growth again. And then there's <coughs> desire. Do you have to teach a baby to desire milk? No, you don't. You mothers know that. Um, we have to desire this. Why don't we? Sometimes. Now drop down to the first step. First, recognize the need for Bible study. I want to back up one, one, one step but to the very first sentence. It, do you think it's God's intention to keep us confused about His will? No. No, it's not. We confuse it, not God. It's very, very simple, or relatively simple, to understand the basics of the Bible, how to become a Christian. Very simple. You have to have help to misunderstand. And a lot of the world tries to give you that help. Um, too many times, I think we, 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 we're wandering through life uh, ignoring the deeper truths in the Bible. And these two, these two verses that were just read, uh, we can we, sometimes we're babies when it comes to the Word of God because we don't study it. We don't desire it. Now notice, this is John's point. Perhaps it's Satan's tactic to deceive us. I suspect that's true. What keeps us, what keeps you from studying the Bible the way that you should or that I should? What, 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 what are some of the reasons? Why do we not study? I mean, some of us have been Christians 20 years and can't find lamentations. Or can't go much deeper than just what it takes to become a Christian after 20 or 30 years. Why? Now we're going to try to remedy that here in this class if we can. Uh, Doug and then Roland. 
as if the biggest lie we tell ourselves is we don't have enough time. Ah! Rather than making the time. We don't have enough time. Best I can tell, we all got the same amount. And we have all are either working or we have worked for 40, 40 to 50 years. Maybe retired now, but hadn't always been retired. All right, we don't have enough time. What, uh, Roland? Our day-to-day -day, uh, duties, sometimes we feel like they are far more important. And so we put those in front. Right. <coughs> How many hours a week, now be honest, you don't have to say out loud, how many hours a week do you spend watching television? Too many. Too many. I think we could all say that. Too many. Yes, ma'am. Um, I, I mean, I obviously can't speak for everybody, but I know for me personally, it's, it's kind of intimidating. You look at all of it yes. and you don't know where to start, you don't know how to start, so instead of trying to figure it out or asking those questions because you feel like you failed in some way, you right. just don't do it. That's a great point. That's, I think, the key for this class. We're going to try our best to teach you how to do that. Uh, uh, does anybody else agree with that? Yeah. That, you know, I, I don't know where to start. Uh, let's do it this way. Uh, have you ever done? And then A, that's I What's that mean? No wonder we're confused. Or you get reading and all of a sudden there's a name there that you go and go. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 so we're going to learn to attack this challenge of how to study the Bible, what it takes to study the Bible, methods to study the Bible, to give you confidence in the Bible that, that, that a couple of men didn't over a weekend write this thing. How, you know, with the translations and then some of the, the two Rick's classes, so that well, hopefully, Lord willing, if I can halfway do my job, our, our job, when we get through with this, you're going to go, okay, I believe I can make this work now. Because uh, it's not as daunting as you might think it is, but yet it, it's got some principles of dauntingness. That's not a word. <laughs> what are you? Okay, uh, a teacher bought it, so I'm good. Caleb, I was say, uh, you know, I've I've read through the Bible so many times, and just in the last year, I've listened through so much of it so many times. And I probably listened to the whole thing three times in the last year. But, but being able to put that stuff together yep. the way a preacher does and the way somebody that teaches regularly and want, you know, wanting so much to be able to teach that to other people in the right way but not being able to put it together the How right way. How do you way. put it together? Hopefully, we're going we're gonna to make that happen. <coughs> How can we put it together? That's kind of the key. These two comments are, are, are perfect right here. How are you going to put all this stuff together, Joyce? Uh, this week on Facebook, <laughs> there was a question, uh, someone wrote in and saying they find it difficult to understand the Bible, and uh, I won't elaborate a whole lot on what else was said there, but I made the comment, trying to make it as succinct as possible, and I quoted Mark 16, 16 as Jesus saying to uh, believe and be baptized. And then I went to Acts in 2.38, and Peter said through the Holy Spirit that 
we should uh, repent and be baptized. And so then I pose the question, have you done these two things? Because it's very plainly spoken, but there are just some people who disagree with Christ and disagree with the Holy Spirit through Peter. <clears throat> okay. Uh, that, that is true. Now, now we might preface also, now I'll come to Nicole, we might preface also that that there are good people in every denomination. We're, we're not saying that. Make sure everybody, you know, gets that. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we can honestly say that everybody in that denomination is not honest. <coughs> there may be some that aren't, but not all. They honestly believe what they honestly believe. Um, you know, rat poison is 99.7% food. It's at 310. <laughs> They'll kill you. Uh, Nicole. I was going to say, the Bible convicts. So when we study the Bible, we're held accountable for what we learn. And sometimes that's scary. Because once you know something, you have to act on that knowledge. That's, that's so well said. That... Your conscience, after you learn what the Bible says on a subject, if you have to act on that, even if it violates what you've always believed or thought. Uh, not everybody's willing to do that. Not everybody's willing to do that. Jim? Never give up. Because as long as there's breath, there's, there's hope in there. That's true. Yes, <coughs> I was just thinking about the idea of progress, not perfection. And so, you know, I was older. I, I wasn't raised um, with Bible principles. So when I first started studying with um, Scott, you know, I didn't know the Old from the New Testament. And then when I did come to services, they were in the book of Revelation. I was like, I, I just got the message, this stuff is over my head. Right. And everyone knows what's going on and knows you know how to do the right thing and I'm the only like sinner here and you know the thing that I have um, finally come to and just I think when when we talk with people um, is meeting them where they're at and just really extending kindness and compassion because as someone who did not with Bible knowledge, it was intimidating. It was, um, you know, I didn't even know what the Old and New Testament was, let alone people flipping books and everything. So I think just, just be kind. And Jesus came for the broken. So if if we can acknowledge that and have that as our heart's desire, that um, you know, just to extend that love and compassion. No, no, it's it's a very good point. There's a there's always a way to say things. Is is there, are there not? There's always the right way to say things. Now you can say hard things in the right way. With love. We studied that in 1 Corinthians 13. I mean, there are some people, honestly, that can, that, can, that can tell you that you're ugly and you'll give them a hug because of the way they said it. <laughs> there are people that, that, that uh, can say good morning to you and you wonder, what do you mean by that? <laughs> it's, there is a way to say things. There, 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 there is. Um, 
and you say it with love, but the truth is the truth. And I'm gonna we're gonna turn to Matthew 10 here in just a second. And this is Jesus out of his own lips talking. Um, we're gonna have to go pretty quick. Uh, first, uh, Don, you've had your hand up for a while. But back to the original thing of why do people look at the Bible? People look at the Bible as, as a whole entity, just like you look at a forest. And you see the forest out there, but you don't understand all of the intricacies. Right. It's not all trees. There are bushes, there's grasses, there's something down in that soil that makes those trees grow, there's rain, there's sun. There's a whole lot to that forest. You can't understand the forest unless you understand the individual parts. And people come to me, well, I can't understand the tabernacle and the temple. Well, have you studied the individual parts? Okay. And then link them together. And the plan of salvation is the same way. Right. It's not written in one spot. But there are parts that are, that are taught that you have to gather those parts, study those individual parts, and then put them together. No, that, that, that's a really good point. Um, when we were... Um, when we were in uh, in Sierra Leone for almost a month, a few years back, uh, teaching and preaching, the question that kept coming up, and I'm, I'm sure you guys have heard as well, is they they did not understand the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, something as basic as that. Well, you know that David played on a harp, and that they had all of these things in the Old Testament. That's true. That's true. What does Colossians chapter two say about? What did Jesus do to the old law, the Old Testament? Remember? It was nailed to the cross. The, the Old Testament, the, it's a consistent message all through the Bible. The Old Testament is pointing toward Jesus, always. And there's all kinds of types and anti-types, and there's, there's the bushes and the trees and all of that, but it's all pointing to Jesus. When Jesus, what does it say about the blood of bulls and goats? Blood, blood of bulls and goats can't take away sin. Only Jesus. Well, Jesus, it was 1,500 years or so before Jesus came. But God was pointing toward Him. When Jesus came and He died on the cross one time for all time, in Colossians 2, He nailed the old law to His cross and took it out of the way. So you can't, while it's all God's Word, authoritatively today where we live, the New Testament is what we are, are going to be judged by. Now, what are the Old Testament people going to be judged by? That law. That law. What, what were the old-time Gentiles, the Greeks, so to speak, were? What are they going to be judged by? They, they, they weren't born a Jew. They weren't under the old law. What are they going to be judged by? Romans 1, 19 and 20. says, If the things that are in creation testify of God, and you willfully disregarded it. He put within us certain principles of morality and all, and we're going to be held to where when we lived. The Jews are going to be held by the old law. The Gentiles who were not subject to the old law are going to be uh, held to, to, to a moral standard that God set down for them. And we're going to be held accountable for what the New Testament teaches. And not a lot of people understand the difference. They say, well, it's the Bible. Well, it is the Bible. But Jesus was always pointing to Jesus. And He took that old law away when He was nailed to the cross. And not everybody can, can quite make that differentiation. Well, why does the Church of Christ not have instrumental music? They did in the Old Testament. That's true. 
That's true. The church of Christ wasn't in the Old Testament. We're not. Yeah, Jesus had to die again. His, his, the old law had not been nailed to the cross yet. Um, what does Jesus say in, himself in Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23, 24 in there? Well, you can paraphrase if you like. That on the day of judgment, we're all standing there. Many will say it to me in that day. Lord, Lord. Lord. Well, wait, wait a minute, Lord. They must recognize him as their Lord. Well, they do. We do Have we not testified your name and thy name cast out devils and thy name done many wonderful works? Jesus didn't know they did that. What did he say? I never knew you. Why? You did it your way. You did it with iniquity. You did it without law. You did it without authority. That, that's what he's going to say himself to Saul. I yes, think those are the four saddest words in the Bible. I yeah. never knew you. I never knew you. Abraham had to have faith and trust in God. Okay. We we're gonna do we're gonna we're gonna have to do our hands one at a time. Okay. <laughs> question. I mean I have anything to do with this, but I thought that when Jesus was nailed to the cross that we all fall under the same law. And not being judged between old and new. We do from this perspective. That's a valid question. We do from this perspective. The blood of bulls and goats could not take away sin. God overlooked that, so to speak, then by all the animal sacrifices, blood sacrifices. But Jesus' blood, when He died and was nailed to the cross in Colossians 2, His blood flowed that way and it flows this way. So there, there's, there's no eternal forgiveness of sin without Jesus. The blood of bulls and goats wouldn't do it. But they had to obey what that temporary law was at the time. You see that, Cheryl? Now, but that's a very good question. I thank you for bringing that up. Also flowed that way. Because it, the blood of Christ also justified the Father for overlooking those sins. That's true. That's a good point. That's a good point. Well, in order for... God demands justice for sin. He always has and always will. Along the world stands. And the only way He could overlook, if you will, or forgive was through Jesus' blood Himself. So in a sense, the blood would flow up to, to, to God as well. Now He can look back in the old law, you know, thousands of years, and say, okay, now it's official. Now it's official. If you want to use those kinds of words. Now it's official. My son's blood now cleanses everybody. Even though I'm holding you accountable, now 2,000 years ago when you were born a Jew and you lived as a Jew, the, the high priest offered blood offerings for you, and, and, and I, I was okay with that. But when Jesus came, now, now the slate is clean. Now the slate is clean. What was held in reserve is gone. Now, I, I, I want to... Uh, great <coughs> questions, by the way. And you know how you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. One bite at a time. We're just eating a bite at a time. And these are wonderful questions. And, but, but I'm hoping we're just... How do you peel an onion? One layer at a time is what I was trying to get to. So that, that's the way we're going to view this class. So in 13 weeks, you, hopefully you're going to look back and go, I think I get it a little bit.
in spite of the teacher. I think I can get it a little bit. So that's good. So that's good. That's wonderful. I thank I thank you all. Uh, now turn to Matthew 10. We've got. To, I want to get through this. We're going to hit a few more highlights, and we'll finish up this section on Wednesday night. Matthew 10:37. Actually, I'm going to go back to 34. Don, you have a deep voice. Read Matthew 10, 34. Well, let's go through 42. Let's, let's just let's get the whole context. Begin with 34. 34, 32. I'm sorry. 32. All right. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whosoever denies me before men... I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. You think that I've come to bring peace to the earth? I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, daughter against her mother, daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. It's powerful. That's very, very powerful. It ties into some of the things we were talking about at the beginning. Now, Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. He came to bring peace with whom... Between us and God. Did he do that? Yes. yes, he did. But yet he says, oh, wait, there's a there's that Bible contradicting itself again. People say. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace on the earth, I came to bring a sword. Oh, wait, what? Um, there's gonna be um, I'm gonna set as adversary, so to speak, a man against his father. Uh, a daughter against her mother. Daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be those of his own household. Now, if that's all it said, we've got to go, wait a minute. Do what now? I think that speaks a lot to the family point. My grandmother, my son, my you know, I think that speaks a lot to that. That, that's, that's exactly right. That's where I was headed, but that's okay. <laughs> I don't claim to be the fastest. <laughs> no, no, it's all good, Doug. He who loves, now notice, now notice this. Now, we're going to have to get real here in just a second. He who loves father or mother more than me. Who, who's the me? Jesus. It's not what? Worthy of me. What that's saying is that there are going to be times when, and we all have our families, and we're all hopefully pretty tight with our families. I get that. My grandmother believed this. My great, my grandfather did that. You know, she was a good woman, uh, but I, she didn't do what this Bible says, what you're saying here. Jesus said that's going to happen. Now, who do you put first? Who? Put him first. You put yeah. him first. But what if that turns a, a son against his father? Does that hurt? Yes. Yes, it hurts. It, it would hurt. Mother against daughter. Mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and so on. Uh, 
husband and wife. And that can happen when you when you marry non-Christians. You, you need to know that going in. You need to know that going in. That could be a problem. Not that could be. It will be a problem. Now that problem could be solved. And it took my father 44 and a half years for my mother to solve that right before he died, just a few weeks. As long as there's breathing, there's hope, as June said. But sometimes that non-Christian will pull away the Christian. And they'll get weaker and weaker. I've seen it happen a whole lot more times than the other way. Well, who are you going to put first? Jesus said, you got to put me first. And if you don't, you're not worthy of me. Now that's hard. That's hard, isn't it? That's a sword. That, that, that can hurt. does hurt. It's a responsibility. Uh, Miss Lisa. And I agree 100%. I did not know how my heart would grow when I had my children. Like you, you just can't do that. Yep. Imagine that. But one of the things is also a freedom. It's a freedom that you are not controlled, or like you are in charge of your own salvation. And that is an amazing freedom as well. It, it is difficult to think of it in perspective from our family, but in some ways, for some people, that can actually be a freedom that they can control their own salvation. Uh, that, that, that's, that's so true. Uh, Jason was raised by a, a, a mother who was a Christian and, and father who, who, who didn't go. I was raised that way. But to his mother's credit, and, there, and my mother's credit, my mother had a backbone of titanium. She said to her, and she loved my dad. You better leave these kids alone now when it comes Sunday morning. There's no debate on where they're going to go. They're going with me today. And I, I've heard that sometimes fairly loudly. You <laughs> <laughs> to know my mother. We went to church, and we had a boat. We loved to go to the lake. I was a water. I started water skiing at eight or nine years old, and my dad would say, "Hey, hey, Mitch, you want to go water skiing this morning, Sunday?" Yeah. I mean, you got to ask a nine or ten year old, you rather go to church or you rather go water skiing? Dude, I'm going water skiing. <laughs> and my mother would hear that, and that'd be the end of that. So it can happen. First Corinthians seven, Romans seven. It, that if, if, if an unbeliever is willing to live with a believer, don't divorce them. If the believer is willing to live with that unbeliever, don't divorce that unbeliever. It can work. It's just going to be hard for you. It is. And I know that firsthand. I can't speak about many things. I grew up in that household, and so did Jason. But Mitch, I bet you that started before you were born. She went to church. And she... Said, my kids come along. Yep. Go with me, because this is where we go on Sunday. I suspect she did. And you didn't. We didn't hear that part, but right. I've heard that said before. It's determined what I'm doing. Here's where you confuse kids of any age. Um, where there's a, a conversation of what we're going to do this morning, or what we're going to do on Wednesday night. There's no conversation. Are the church doors open? That's where we're going to be. Once you get that straight, your life's a whole lot easier. 
and the confusion's a whole lot less because if we confuse our kids. Well, we went last Sunday, today we're going to do, we confuse them. Don't do that. You can't do that because you've got to put God first and Jesus first. Now, how did we always do that? I don't remember an exception, but I suspect maybe there was a time or whatever. On Sunday evening, we would go riding around and you used to get you could get milkshakes for a quarter, all you older people. And there were five of us, so it was a dollar and a quarter. That was about a day's pay for it at that time. Uh, and my dad would uh, try to make sure that we, as we were driving around looking at things, that's what you did for entertainment. You had no money. Gas was 17 cents, so you could do that. Uh, he would sometimes we wouldn't quite make it back home in time. He knew what he was doing. He did that a few times, and my mother set that straight too. <laughs> Let's go get our milkshake, but you make sure we're back home by whatever time we go to service on Sunday night. That's how that that's otherwise you're putting you're not taking up your cross and you're not following him and you're putting things before Jesus. And he says you can do that, but you're gonna lose your life in eternity. That's what it said. I didn't write that. That's what Jesus wrote. Yeah. Yes sir. Uh, one of the unique things about Christianity is that every Christian is a convert. No one's born a Christian. So Good point. if you were lucky enough to be born into a family that, you know, your parents are Christians, then for you it's an easier decision, it's an easier road to become a Christian. But at some point, everyone had to become a Christian when their family wasn't one. So and if you didn't have to fight this battle because your family was Christians, then your father had to fight it, or your grandfather, or your great-grandfather. Somebody had to... Somebody had to break that chain, yes, didn't they? somebody had to fight it. That's fight true. It. So, for somebody, Christianity was a sword for them in their family. It was a it was a, a point of contention, even if it's not in your family. That, that's right a great now. point. Uh, that's a very good point. My dad's family were all uh, Seventh-day Adventist people, good people. And to the day he died, he was not accepted because he was you know baptized into you know into, into Christ um, so th there are going to be some barriers as a result of your, your choices there are in the neighborhood in the family where you work there are Jesus said understand that that's what's going to happen if you love me it's what you're going to do and if you put anything else before him, he says you, you're not going to make it at the end. Those are pretty, those are really powerful cutting words, aren't they? Well, they are. They really are. Sheila, question. Yes, of course. Um, is there a translation for this class that all of the teachers are using? Not that I know of. I use the New King James. But when we get in two weeks from today, when we start talking about translations, you're going to find that, that there are some very, very good ones. And there are some that aren't <clears throat> much more than, than commentaries. We have to, we're, going to, we're, going to, we're going to go over those, Sheila. So if you can hold that for, next, for two weeks. But generally speaking, it's going to be, I like the New King James Version. That's just me. I, 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 uh, there are others. 
there are others. Uh, what, what the two rigs are going to use, honestly, I don't know. But we'll see in a couple of weeks where if they're the right ones, it's not going to overly matter. If that makes any sense at all. Uh, is that the first bell or second? No. It's 10:30. Whatever.